Good afternoon, church. I'm so excited to be here with you all. I know there are some of us who are not around because of the team's activities and campus that is going on, but it's just great to be here to fellowship together with the church in uh, New York, Westchester. Uh, we're just uh, so encouraged. I'm uh, glad to be here uh, with my wife. Uh, it's our first time in the United States. And, uh, amen. Uh, for me, technically, because I was actually in New York at uh, the beginning of uh, September for Nietzsche's burial. Uh, maybe some of us know Nietzsche, uh, you know, uh, was leading uh, the church in uh, Brooklyn. And uh, so, you know, I came over, then I went back to Nairobi, then came because we had uh, different meetings, uh, the ICOC delegates meetings that were taking place. Uh, so we came over for that. And uh, I'm glad that I were able to come by here as well. Uh, welcomed by uh, Jim Brown, a very great old friend <laughs> uh, who has, uh, you know, uh, just uh, been in our lives in a great way since the beginning. And we've been great friends. And I've always desired to just come and meet uh, my brothers and sisters uh, from the other side of the Atlantic. And so um, I'm just uh, excited for this. Amen. Amen. This is great. Uh, this is awesome. Um, the, uh, the slides, all right, they're, they're coming up right there. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, being strong in the Lord today. Uh, but before I do that, maybe just a little bit about uh, myself and my family so that you can uh, know me just a little better as uh, we go ahead. Um, that's my daughter. That's not uh, be strong in the Lord. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's our daughter there. She's uh, 12 years old. Uh, then uh, our son, uh, that is uh, our son, he's uh, 16 years old, and uh, you know, we praise God for them, we're not able to come with them at this time, we pray that next time they can be able to join us, then uh, the whole family together, uh, that is clear, uh, yeah, so that is us, uh, right there, uh, that is uh, my wife and I with our two children, and uh, I was baptized as you had in uh, 1990, that was back in September 20. 22nd. Uh, I was 19 years old. I know those who are mathematically inclined right here, like Kevin, have already calculated how old I am now. You know, and that is great. Uh, my wife was baptized back in 1991. We were both in college at the university. And, uh, you know, we became friends in the church. We started dating in 1992. And, uh, you know, uh, we finished college and got married on 31st of January 1998. And joined the ministry in 1999 of, of May. And, uh, you know, we've continued to serve in the full-time ministry up to this time. And we praise God for the work that he's continuing to do. And in the meantime, God bless us. our two children, our son born in 2000 and our daughter in 2005. Uh, you know, um, it was great when I, I walked in here today. And uh, I see a brother that I'd, I'd longed to see for a long time. Uh, who came to visit Nairobi uh, back in 2006 when our daughter was one years old. And that is Alex Lange. I mean, that was just awesome. So I, I met him, you know, and uh, I got lost in the fellowship uh, with him because it was just so great to see him, uh, you know, just uh, right here. So it is it's just uh, encouraging and exciting uh, for us to be here and to fellowship together with everybody else. Uh, this is great. Be strong in the Lord. God calls us to be strong in Him, 
Every single time. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, God tells us to be strong in the Lord. Paul is talking to the Ephesians and telling them to, to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And to be prepared so that they can put on the full armor of God so that when the time of evil comes, they will be able to stand. You know, in Second Timothy chapter 2, again, Paul talking to Timothy, you know, tells him to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And that the things that, you know, he has learned from him, that he should be able to go ahead and teach others. So that they too can be strong in the grace and strong in Christ as they continue to serve God. And in First Corinthians chapter 16, again, we see Paul talking to the Corinthian church. And talks to them and tells them, stand firm, be courageous, be strong. You know, and sometimes it's challenging when we hear this from the scriptures. Because when we look at ourselves, we feel like we are not that strong. Many times I've felt that I am not strong. I look at myself, I look at sometimes the doubts that I have in my life. And I feel like this call is, is difficult, to be strong in the Lord. I look at the sins that I face and I have to go through and to strive to overcome. And I feel weak. Sometimes I struggle in, in my marriage and there are different things that we have to talk through with my wife and deal with. And as a husband, sometimes I feel I am not strong. Maybe I'm the only one who feels like that many times. But anyway, amen. I feel like that sometimes. That, that I'm not strong. I mean, I'm trying to raise uh, my children, my son, my daughter, and I feel like I am limited. And God calls me to be strong. I mean, sometimes I've sinned against other brothers and sisters. And they've come to me and told me, you know, you did this and I felt this. And I'm like, oh man, I, I didn't think I did that. Uh, but man, this is what happens. And we have to walk it through. And I look at the wickedness in my own heart. And I feel like the call to be strong is challenging. And then, of course, God calls us to commit ourselves to Him. That we fix our eyes on Jesus. That Jesus takes the first position in our lives. And we struggle with different things. We struggle with, you know, issues of, of wealth and life and possessions and what we want and relationships. And other things begin to take the first position in our hearts. And Jesus says, no, you need to be strong and put me first in your life. And the list goes on. And sometimes when we read these kind of verses that call us to be strong in the Lord, we feel challenged. And we feel like this is difficult. And we feel despair. Because it is not easy. But does God call us to things we are not able to do? No. Does He call us to a life that we are not able to be? Of course not. He calls us to this standard because He knows that we are able to get there. There are three things I would like to talk about that I feel will be able to help us to be strong in the Lord always. The first thing is that you are able. And secondly, that you must overcome your unbelief. And the third thing is for you to change your location. Let's turn to the book of Mark chapter 9. We'll read from verse 14. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. The man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit 
that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. It forms of the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirits. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. The first thing you are able, when you look at these verses, you see that Jesus comes down from the mountain and he sees this crowd and there are all kinds of arguments going on and possibly arguing with the disciples because they were not able to drive out the evil spirit. And that's what happens. And so Jesus asked him, what are you arguing about? And they have a whole story about that. But eventually the boy's father said, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't drive it out. And I asked myself, is it true that they couldn't drive it out? And I said, no. They were, able, they were able to drive out the demon. Because Jesus had already given them the authority to drive out demons. And they had done it in other places. But on this occasion, they were stuck. They couldn't. And I asked myself, why? I believe it's because one of the reasons is that they listened to the voice of the devil. You see, the devil is a liar. And the devil is malicious. And the devil wants to come after you to make sure that you do not make it. He doesn't care that, you know, you are a disciple of Jesus and you have started the race and you are doing great things. He only cares that you do not believe fully so that eventually you don't make it to heaven. They listened to the voice of the devil who told them they were not able. And I can just imagine maybe Andrew, you know, coming in there and trying his hand on the demon. You know, you, you see these preachers sometimes who drive out demons and, you know, they, they, they push people's heads down so the demons can come out. Evil spirits come out! Come out of him! And Andrew is trying and it's not happening. Then Philip said, just move aside. Let, let me show you how to do this. Then Philip shows up, man, come out, evil spirit! It's not happening. And Thomas says, you know, I, I'm still believing. I'm not a doubter yet. Let, let me just try my hand on this one. And it doesn't happen. And I can imagine the crowd saying, what kind of disciples are these? 
Disciples of who? Jesus? No, we've heard great things about Jesus. These are must be fake disciples. They are not real. They can't even drive out a simple spirit in a boy. And they got into fear and eventually they could not drive it out. But doesn't that happen to us many times? We're trying to do something and the devil says, you can't do this. And then you try the first time, it doesn't happen. The second time, it doesn't happen. But you are able. Even reaching out sometimes is just challenging. I remember a time when I was in the streets of Nairobi and I was reaching out to people. And as I went out and I was reaching out and talking to people, no one was listening to what I was saying. And I got discouraged. The first person, second person, the third person. I said, you know what? I don't think anyone is going to listen to me today. And I got so discouraged. I stopped reaching out to people. And I kept walking. On my way, I met another brother. It's called David Karanja. So I met him on the streets. He said, bro, how are you doing? I said, I'm discouraged. I've been trying to reach out to people. Just invite them to church. No one is listening. And I've decided, you know what? I'm just going back to campus. You know, maybe I just need to focus on my studies. And he said, you know what? That is just the devil right there. Let's pray. And on the streets, we just prayed together. And then he said, let's go reach out now. Amazingly, the people we met after that, somehow all responded positively. And I was thinking, you know, what was going on right here? And I realized, you know, I was listening to the devil. I was listening to Satan, and I had given in, and I had stopped focusing my mind on Jesus. The disciples had the ability, but they listened to Satan. You have the ability to lead a godly life. The question is, will you listen to Jesus? Will you trust him with your life? And say, yes, I can live a godly life. We're able to have victory of all the challenges that we face in our lives. Of all kinds of sin. It doesn't matter what it is. It's nothing in the sight of Jesus. You are able. Because God has given you the ability. When he called us to be his children, he gave us the ability as well to stand. We can share our faith effectively and help people to become Christians. You know, I remember when we started off on campus. You know, this is one of the days when we took a, a picture right there of the campus disciples. At the time, initially, you know, we were like, just like four disciples on campus. But we would go out and just reach out and talk to people. People actually thought we were so many on campus. But we weren't. But we were everywhere. And you know, um, I praise God for the faith of the brothers and sisters who came down to Nairobi from the United States to plant the church. Just a handful of people who could sit on a small lift believed that they can go to a foreign land, to a place they've never been, to give up their dreams in the United States and say, you know what? We are able to preach the word and to build a church somewhere in Africa. Let's go. And they came to Nairobi and they reached out to us. And we became disciples. I mean, Jim Brown was one of them. Jumped on the plane, left his dreams here, you know. Came to preach the word. That's Jim Brown, you know. I was living with Jim Brown, you know, in his house. And man, we would have great times together. Except for that one time when we were robbed in the middle of the night. And I was sleeping in the sitting room. 
And I did not wake up, you know, I was in deep sleep, sort of like Jesus sleeping in the boat. You know, I was in deep sleep and there was chaos all around. So they woke me up after the, the, the robbers, you know, had taken off with church equipment, <laughs> you know, on that day. You know, my brother-in-law was on that team. Raiola Osanya sitting here, right here. I don't know if you saw him in the picture, the previous picture. You know, he, he was there. Left his schooling in the United States. In the middle to just come and preach the word. And we are here today. And today, God has blessed the church. This is the Nairobi church now. From just a handful of people. Amen. We are 1,500 disciples in Nairobi. And you know, we have 15 churches in 6 countries in East Africa. With over 2,200 disciples. I mean, it's just amazing. When you know that God has chosen you, He has called you, and you are able. God is going to do amazing things in our lives. And we are missionaries wherever we are. In our neighborhoods, in our offices, with our relatives. Wherever we are, God is calling us to preach the word. So in the next slide, you see some pictures of some of the churches. You know, that uh, we've been able to visit with and to visit. Uh, my wife and I oversee some of the churches outside of the country. So, you know, we go around sometimes to encourage the disciples in those places. And the churches all over the place. Because a few people believed that God is able. Do you believe that you are able? In Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit Himself testifies to the Spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Jesus. Co-heirs with God. I mean, it's amazing. You know, when you are an heir, you own what the person owns. If it is an estate, it is yours. Jesus is basically telling you as His child that you are co-heirs with Him. The strength he has is yours. The ability he has is yours. What he's able to do, you're able to do. In fact, he says you will do even greater things than the things that he has done. That is Jesus. But do we believe that we are co-heirs with Christ? In Second Peter chapter 1, he says his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need. We are able to do this. We are able, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21. It says he's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. The power of God is within us. And it is working. But Satan wants you to doubt. He does not want you to know that you have that power. That power is there for you, there for me. Will you take it? Will you use it? Will you glorify God? Point number two. Overcome your unbelief. You know, when Jesus comes down, you know, he's, he's amazed at the lack of faith that is around him. I mean, the whole bunch of people. And the whole group of people there. There's a the whole crowd. There's the religious leaders, the disciples. There's the father and the boy and everything. And Jesus says, all oh, faithless generation, all oh, unbelieving generation, 
And I wonder how many people in that crowd thought that Jesus was talking to them. When the father of the boy, you know, eventually gets a chance to explain the situation. Man, he explains it. He says how the spirit has been trying to throw the boy into the fire, foaming at the mouth, rolling, doing all kinds of things to kill him. And then, you know, eventually he says, if you can help us, please heal the boy. And Jesus is like, if you can, of course I can. Of course Jesus can. But he didn't realize that he was one of those in the group that actually was unbelieving. He was possibly thinking about the disciples he brought his son to. Who did not have faith to heal the boy. He didn't think about himself. Maybe he was thinking about the teachers of the law. I don't know. But many times, when we hear the word, we think about other people. And I'm thinking, man, I wish so and so could hear this message. Where are they? We even look around the fellowship to see if they showed up today. Because, you know, this message is that for that person. Oh, unbelieving generation. This is for them. But it is really for you. It's for me. I have to listen to Jesus. And eventually it dawned on him. He says, man, please help me overcome my unbelief. He finally realized that it was actually him that Jesus was talking to. And when he cried out, Jesus helped him and healed the boy. We have to recognize our doubts. We have to know where we are weak in our faith and where we are not believing and where Satan is just eating away at our faith. We need to recognize our doubts and face our fear because we have fears. And we have doubts and it can be challenging in our lives. But God is able to make it. I remember, you know, um, when I d- dreamed of uh, just coming to the U.S. That was in 2012. And I just said, you know what, man, I would love to go for the discipleship, the World Discipleship Summit that was being held in San Antonio, Texas. And so I was excited, I was fired up, but I didn't have the money. So I talked to different people to try and help me, you know, put some money together so I can travel to be there. And several people are willing, so that was sort of, I said, Amen. So I said, the next hurdle is to get a visa to the United States. So I went to the United States Embassy, applied everything and all that. Then they looked at me and they said, you know, we don't think, you know, you need to come to the United States. <laughs> so I was denied the visa in 2012, in February. And I was, I was angry in my heart. I was like, man, what's wrong with these people? I'm an honest guy. You know, I'm clean. But they didn't know that. They looked at all the criteria. They said, no, you don't match up. Sorry. And so I went back after two months and said, no, you guys made a mistake. I need to go for this conference. And they said, no, you're not coming. So the second time I was denied again. Then in 2013, there was a function here in New York. And we had been invited. Uh, to come, and actually the trip had been organized to be paid for. And we were excited for that. So we went with my wife. And they said, nah, you can come to the United States. That was in 2013. And I said, man, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to get this visa to, to travel. And I gave in to my doubts and my unbelief. But you know, I had to actually realize that 
you know, they are bad people up there and they do funny things. And so they have to be very serious with their criteria. And I said, you know what? Instead of doubting, let me trust God that it's going to happen one day. But then I realized that most probably, apart from maybe other reasons, the main reason could be that I had not traveled out of the continent of Africa. So they don't want the U.S. to be the first destination out of your continent. I said, ah. So I said, you know what, maybe I could travel to other parts of the world and maybe I'll get a visit to the U.S. And so in 2014, I decided to travel to Brazil. There was a World Cup there. And so getting a visa to the World Cup was very easy. If you bought a, if you bought a ticket to the World Cup, you get a visa very quickly. But amazingly, I had the dream of 2014 Brazil in 2010, which I had forgotten about. But my family reminded me that in 2010, I had actually told them that I I would like to be in Brazil in 2014 for the World Cup, because I love football, soccer rather. And I'd forgotten about it. And so in 2014, because of this lack of getting the visa, I said, you know what, actually, I can do this. And so I go, I get the visa, and I have no money to travel. And this is in March. I'm supposed to travel in June. I said, Lord, you've got to make this happen. God moved in amazing ways. And he provided the money, and I was able to travel to Brazil via, you know, to uh, Sao Paulo, via Rome. And in Rome, I met another brother that was a great friend of mine that I had not seen in 15 years. Actually, for me, that was the highlight of the trip. Not even to, to, I mean, it was awesome. So I went, came back, then God opened ways, then I went to the International Leadership Conference, ILC, in uh, Singapore. So I came back, but then I forgot about the visa to the U.S. I said, you know what, that's okay, you know, it's all right. Then last year, we actually told that uh, we've been invited to go for a, a leadership meeting as leaders of East Africa, of Nairobi, actually. And you need to come for this meeting. I said, man, I don't have a visa. Okay, can you go and apply? So we went and applied, but the queue was too long because there are many people who want to travel here. And so the date we were given was beyond the, the meeting. But we went, and believe it or not, we got the visa last year. But the meeting was gone, so we didn't travel. <laughs> But then this year, God has made it happen. He has made it happen. Because God is faithful. We are the ones who are faithless. We are the ones who doubt and give in to our unbelief. What doubts do you have in your life? Could be about anything. Could be about your health. Could be about your life. Could be a parenting. Could be a marriage. To just be your walk with God. And you're just doubting. You're not sure if God will come through for me on this one. Do I believe enough? But I'm telling you, God is faithful. And at the time that he has chosen, he will make it happen. But we have to stay the course. And not give in to the lies of the evil one. In what areas do you need to overcome your unbelief? Write them down. What is impossible for you? Write it down. Put it before God. And let Him help you overcome your unbelief. And sometimes we are just like the disciples. 
and we are moving Jesus has done amazing things around us and we are still doubting even the apostles in Luke chapter 17 verse 7 had to cry out increase our faith the apostles of Jesus walking with him in the flesh we will have times of doubt we will have times of unbelief but we don't have to stay there because Jesus is able to pull you out of there and get you to where you need to be. You know, this year we are having a marriage retreat that we've been planning. And previously we would have very few married couples come out for the retreats. We would have like 50 people. I think the maximum we had one time was 60. And we wondered how can we get everybody in these awesome retreats that we have that just have marriages. And we just said, you know what, let's keep praying, let's talk to the married couples, let's pray. Because the amount of money that you have to pay is really high for everybody. But this year, God just amazed us. We have 148 people who have signed up for the marriage retreat and have paid the money for it. And men who are thinking, how did this happen? And he said, you know what, God is faithful. When we stay the course, he comes through at the right time. And we have activities. We have campus camp. We have singles retreats. And it's difficult. I mean, last year, I remember one of the sisters, a single sister, wanted to go for a retreat out of the country in Arusha, Tanzania. And she's just a, a, a house help. And house helps in, in, in Kenya, they, they don't get paid much. It's like the minimal wage. So she couldn't raise the money. But she said, you know what, I believe I can make it to this singles retreat. And she inspired us. She started putting money little by little. She would look for work. She would go out and say, can I do this for you? Can I work for you in your house? Believe it or not, she made it for that retreat. It was amazing. It was awesome. It just encouraged everybody. What am I saying? It doesn't matter the challenges you have or what you're facing. God is able. And God is calling us to believe that he's able. Finally, change your location. But before that, just, uh, you know, uh, Jesus has promised us, you know, in Matthew 28, verse 20, that he's always with us. In Hebrews 13, that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. You know, these are scriptures that we should be meditating on and staying with them. Because these are promises that are true and they are real. And when we allow him to stay with us, then we are able to make it in everything that we do. Change your location very quickly as we finish. You see, when Jesus came out of the mountain, it was incredible. Because he could see everything clearly and all the challenges that the people were facing. He could see everything that they were facing. But the people on the ground did not know what was happening. They couldn't see it. Uh, Next slide, please. I think this is a repeat slide. Yes. We needed a picture. That's the city of uh, Nairobi, Kenya. You know, for you to understand the illustration I'm going to use, you need to visit Nairobi, Kenya. So all I'm saying is that you need to plan and visit Nairobi, Kenya. You see, Nairobi is is very congested. When you walk in the streets, it's full of people. 
And there's, there's a lot of dirt in many places. There are few places that are clean and nice, but there are many places that are not clean, that are dirty. So, when we walk down the streets of Nairobi, we, Nairobians, don't like Nairobi because of the dirt. And we are feeling like, man, what is the governor doing? They need to change this situation. That's how we feel. And we feel bad when we are walking down. But when we go up the hill, in Nairobi, you know, there are some hills around it, so you go to Upper Hill. This picture was taken from the top of one of the tall, tallest buildings, uh, KICC. You know, we're up there so you could see the city. But when you go up the hill and you look down the city, you don't see all the dirt and all the mess. You don't see it. You see a beautiful city. And I was like, man, this is awesome. This is great. And it made me realize many times when we're involved in all the tiny little things that we face, that we are going through, man, we feel like we have so many problems we can't even move. But when we just go higher, where Jesus is, then we see things clearly. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. And that is what Jesus was able to see. And when Jesus came down, he says, when the people saw him, they were amazed. They ran to him. I don't know what amazed them. Jesus had not yet done a miracle. I mean, they are stuck with this boy. They don't know what is happening. Jesus shows up, but I believe because he had been on the mountain, he had been transfigured, he had been in prayer, he came out and he was just glowing. Just reminded me of Moses from up the hill. That man, when you have been with God, you know that anything is possible. You can do anything. We need to change our location as a people. And we need to go higher. And be with Jesus up the mountain so that we can come down seeing everything clearly. Amen? But going up the mountain is not easy. Next slide. There's a mountain, you know, near Nairobi. It's called Gong Hills. On this occasion, we had taken our ministry to climb Gong Hills. And we had a service just, uh, you know, when you're beginning to climb. And after the service, we said, now we are going up to the tip. And man, it was challenging. Some people said, you know what, you guys just go up, you'll find us down here when you get back. We'll pray for you, you know, we'll find us here. We said, no, we need to go to the top. It's easy to make excuses when you're challenged like that. But Jesus challenges us to climb the mountain, to climb up the hills. But then with these hills, there are like nine hills. So what happens is when you reach the top of one of the hills, you see the top of the other one. And you have to go down and go up again. And that is why many people just feel like, I'm not going up there. This is challenging. And when you do it, you, you are amazed at just the power of God. When you go out there and you pray up the mountain, when you come down, you just feel great about your life. But our Christian life is like that. You go up the hill, you reach the top, you are just celebrating. Then sometimes it's just time to go down and just be humble. I think God does that to just keep us humble. And stay focused on Him and not on ourselves. Not on our strengths. Change your location. Climb up the mountain. The second thing on change your location that we need to do is to keep cleansing your heart. See, our hearts are always full of things. But we have to keep cleansing our hearts. See, the disciples could not drive the demon. But eventually, when they got time privately with Jesus, they went to say, you know, 
I don't know if they could shout anymore. Lord, uh, you know, uh, why couldn't we drive it out? You know, I mean, they were humble. But they had to ask. And sometimes we need those private conversations with one another. Where we pull each other aside and share what is going on in our hearts and in our lives. That is a different location. Because the comfort place, the comfortable place, the comfort zone is for me to just be with myself and stay with my things and not actually come out with it. That is very comfortable. But you know how it feels inside, isn't it? You feel like, man, maybe everybody knows what is going on in my heart. That's how it feels. Because certain makes us feel guilty, makes us feel those things. But the solution is just to go with somebody, pull somebody, a brother, sister. Man, this is what is going on in my life. Can you help me with this? Can we pray about this? And we get out of our comfort zones and we go through that and God's name is glorified. Because Jesus wants to do that. But when I read verse 25, I was amazed at what Jesus says. Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and said, may you never get back to him again. And I thought, you know, sometimes I've struggled with something and I've struggled with it again and I've been helped and I've struggled with it. I said, it is time to change my location and to begin to pray for God to remove that demon, to remove that sin, to help me overcome it and not to have that cycle continue in my life. Because he's able. If he could do it for this boy, I know he's able to do it uh, for me. And finally, to move into prayer and fasting. Because some can only come out by prayer. Only by prayer and fasting. You have to change your location. You know, in the images there, we have the eagle and the snake. If an eagle wants to kill a snake, it doesn't fight with it on the ground. It picks up the snake, goes up with it, and if the snake is not clinging on it, it will let it smash on the rocks and then picks it again. And it fights with the snake in the air because the snake is not going to succeed in the air. If the lion meets a crocodile near the, the, the river, it will be foolish for the lion to jump into the water to fight the crocodile in there. I mean, that lion is gone, even if you are the king of the jungle. It's not going to happen. Because the crocodile is in its territory. So you have to choose your location. The Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. But against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Against principalities and powers and rulers and authorities. And so if we are going to battle and stand firm, then it cannot be at the level of the earth. It has to be spiritual. We have to pray fervently. We have to have prayer retreats. We need to pray together. We need to pray more than ever before. We need to pray. I mean, right now in our country, we are really praying. Because we've had elections that happened in August. And the president was elected. And then the opposition went to court and said, well, it was not free and fair. And the court agreed. The Supreme Court ruled that actually it was not free and fair. And so they annulled the presidential election. So the president has not been sworn in. And so we are supposed to have a rerun of you know, the, the opposition leader and the, the incumbent president. And now the opposition leader say we have no faith in the electoral commission 
to provide fair results. So he says, you know what? I'm not going to run in the election. So the supporters of the opposition are demonstrating in the streets. And there's a lot of unrest going on. There to close the University of Nairobi, you know, where I attended, which is one of the largest universities, actually the largest in the city center, has been closed indefinitely because of protests and riots. People have been killed in some of the towns. That is going on right now. And we can only pray, man, for God to move and perform miracles so that we can have peace in our country and move forward. And we ask that you pray for us as well. But we cannot doubt that God is able. Because he's sovereign over everything. And we have countries in East Africa that are challenged. You know, I became a disciple in 1990. You know, reached out to my brother in 1990. Eventually, you know, got baptized in 1992. He's an evangelist now and leads uh, our church in Bujumbura, Burundi. Man, those places are challenging. There's always civil unrest and strife going on. And there are times, I mean, they are not able to meet in church where they are supposed to meet because you cannot cross the city. But they continue to preach the word and God continues to add to the number of those who have been saved. Because they have chosen to change their location, to see how Jesus sees people, and to know that Jesus is the solution for this world. It is not the politics of this world. It is not the tribalism of this world. It is not the racism in this world. It is Jesus who is the solution. Will you change your location? Or will you allow yourself to do your battles down here on the ground? Down here on the earth, it is dirty. I mean, look at the politics and the politicians. The things they say and what they do. But sometimes it comes into church. And oh, this is my politician and this is my person. And I am with the opposition. I am with the Republicans. I am with the Democrats. And no, this is wrong. This is not right. And we bring it into church and we forget who we are. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. That city on a hill cannot be hidden. We need to come out and people need to see disciples of Jesus. They need to see disciples of Jesus. That I might have a different political opinion. You might have a different political opinion. But when they see us together and the love that we have for one another, it's amazing. And the world is just moved to be transformed. That's what God has called us to. And that's what we are teaching our people in Nairobi as well. Because the tribalism comes into the church. And we're saying, no, it cannot come into the church. We have to stay focused, stay with Jesus, and be strong in the Lord. I pray that we'll all be strong in the Lord. That we will know that truly we are able, without a doubt, in our hearts and in our lives. That we'll overcome our unbelief. And decide to change our location so that God's name may continue to be glorified in our lives. May God bless you. Pray for us as we go back to Kenya. And we'll continue to pray for you as well. Amen. Thank you very much. You just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nyccoc.net.